welcome everybody to the Magic Beans podcast. We are back again for episode number 54. I'm your host tonight and my name is Shorty and I'm joined by just a couple of beans. So on the light tonight, on the line tonight, I can't even talk, that's how good we're doing, we have Cracker. How's it going mate? I'm good mate, I'm good, how are you? Uh, pretty good except for uh, not being able to speak properly which is awesome when you're doing a audio podcast but anyway it's, it's not like you're the host or, oh wait no, that's on. right <laughs> uh and we also have Stu. how's it going mate yeah good thanks mate that's all way we had uh, a little bit of an issue with uh, your audio to start with as well so this is yeah, gonna be an great. awesome episode <laughs> but, but we're here now so i think we'll be fine yeah yeah we're here now and we've got lots of good things to talk about so i think uh the bulk of what we'll talk about tonight will be the uh, Kaladesh Remastered, which has just been released on Arena, but uh, a few other topics to touch on. And before we get into that, we might mention our sponsor. So, Stu, you were just saying before the cast that uh, you won some auctions this week. Where'd you get those from? Uh, actually, no, I, I won these auctions over the span of the last six weeks. Okay. <laughs> and I won them from Josh and Pat's MTG Bazaar. Find them on Facebook. Uh, they are a Facebook auction group, as as you know. You know, you guys listen every week. Uh, they have they have auctions every night, Monday through Friday, and then the really good stuff on the weekends. Actually, I lie. It's all good stuff. Nine p.m. is when they close. Twenty four hours they run for. Get in, get some bargains, just like I did. Good job. Make sure you tell them that the bean sent you, so they know uh, that their sponsorship money is actually worthwhile. Yes, that's it's very important. <laughs> the money back to them man <laughs> exactly <laughs> yeah well you won a few didn't you cracker i did i won i won four auctions last night so i'm pretty excited it's been a while since i bought bought some cards off josh and pats and i was scrolling through and i went ooh, foil zareth sand let's see if we can pick that up and so i got i got a couple of sweet foils and some things so a bit excited we might uh might have a bit of a commander brew on our hands here oh mm. looking forward to it it's uh, pretty likely that uh, we'll be able to catch up and actually play some Paper Magic in the next few weeks, I think, or at least at Christmas. Our restrictions here in Melbourne have been eased enough that we can go and visit our friends and we're not trapped in uh, in this ring of steel around Melbourne anymore. So it's looking looking pretty promising. I'm actually catching up with Chris uh, next week. He's uh, getting some photos or his family's getting some photos done uh, from my wife. And I think Chris might be vetoing actually getting photos taken and coming to play some magic. So. Yeah, that sounds about right. Perfect. <laughs> I better speak to my wife and tee up this photo session as well. <laughs> <laughs> sounds like a plan. All right. So, yeah, we do have a lot to talk about tonight, so let's get straight into it. Uh, the first thing we wanted to touch on is the uh, event that we ran on the weekend. Now, none of us here on this cast actually played in this event, did we? No. 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 It was uh, it was all Chewy. Chewy uh, Chewy was championing this event, and uh, he played it. I, I managed to watch most of the stream. Uh, that Chewy uh, that Chewy hey. Chewy man, I cannot talk tonight. That Chewy had going. So uh, yeah, it was uh, it looked like a lot of fun. But yeah, this was our no banless standard event, and it sort of came from. I think we just sort of mentioned it on on one of our episodes that it would be cool to see what standard was actually like and. What did we actually see in this event, Cracker? I mean, the greatest hits of standards banned, right? It, it was, <laughs> yeah. you know, there, there was a bunch of people talking about what to play and even people were like just testing games against each other before the event. And it was just the Oko, Uro, Omnath pile, right? There was like Teema piles and four color piles and i think that was most of what it is yeah pretty much I, I think that there was one cat oven deck 
Is, is that what Reese played? Reese brought a Saltai, maybe? Yeah, I don't know. Uh, list that, yeah, had cats and ovens and uh, some, yeah, main, main deck hate for uh, for Omnaths and Okos and things like that. So I think he was hard targeting the uh, expected meta, but. I don't yeah, think he seemed- won. <laughs> no, he did not. He did, did not do very well, but anyway. But uh, yeah, it seemed like most people just went, okay, I'm going to start a deck with four Omnath, four Uro, four Once Upon a Time, four Oko, and uh, yeah, see how we go from there. A few people ran Fires of Invention as well, which I don't think really made too much of a difference, but it was pretty obvious watching the games that, uh, yeah, especially Oko was crazy powerful, and yeah, Once Once Upon a Time was uh, was pretty ridiculous as well, so... Pretty glad to not see those cards in standard anymore because, yeah, currently standard is, is in quite a good spot. It's it's funny, though, because everyone said how much fun they had, right? Like, oh, yeah, everyone, everyone yeah. had an absolute blast and they were like, gee, I'm glad we don't have to actually do this <laughs> every, every week. Yeah, yeah. one two-hour event is probably yeah. easy to take as opposed yeah, to sure. weeks and weeks of it, eh? Yeah, definitely. And and that's always the thing. You know, standards, standards always really fun when a new set has just released or we get a rotation or something like that but usually within 24 to 48 hours the the real problem problem cards come out and uh, that's when people start complaining so when you've just got a one-off thing like this it, it's all fun and, and you, you know you're not really playing for much stakes i mean there was some uh, collector boosters on the line which is pretty good but uh yeah it's a, all just a bit of fun so if you uh, if you missed it and you want to go back and watch that, the VOD is still up on our, on our Twitch. So just yeah, head to twitch.tv slash magicbeanscast and you'll find that on there. There's yeah some pretty cool matches that actually got played and, and some pretty funny things happening just with the, the crazy interactions. And uh, yeah, Wunga Sith took it uh, took it all down. So they've uh, they've done pretty well in a few of our leagues and a few of the finals events. So yeah, just showing that uh, they're actually a, a very good Magic player. I'm, I'm pretty sure they were playing. Uh, Teemo or four color as well. I, I can't remember exactly. So, but yeah, good on you, uh, Wanga Sith. Yeah. Well so uh, yeah, speaking of standard and uh, standard being good, we actually had another of the MPL and Rivals weekend events this weekend, where all the people in the MPL play against each other and all the rivals play against each other, and they're they're basically just playing uh, twelve rounds and trying to get as many match wins as they can across those 12 rounds to get themselves up on the leaderboard. Uh, This leaderboard will then go towards determining who stays in the MPL, who gets knocked down to rivals, and who gets knocked out of rivals. So it's pretty important for these players to, uh, you know, keep their pro careers going in in Magic and make sure they're still earning that, uh, that sweet contract from Wizards. So they take it. Pretty seriously, and and this is sort of what's dictating the metagame that we're seeing now. So, Cracker, I think you've got up there uh, a bit of data on you know what what we saw, what the top decks were, and things like that. I do, I do. Um, so after we were in the um, rogues kind of meta for a while there, where it seemed like that was the best deck, um, Gruel Agro came out as one of the decks that was particularly strong against rogues. Right, just a bunch of uh, hasty creatures and the you know things that the brushfire elemental that can't be blocked by the rogues deck at all ever, <laughs> uh-huh. yeah. and then Embercleave right. So it it had a pretty good matchup and was just generally strong and and strong against the Yorion decks as well. And so we saw kind of Gruel Agro um, sitting on top in terms of both the the number of decks that were played um, was like thirty three percent, and also the um, the win rate. Right, it had a really strong win rate. So, um, 
yeah, rogues and then some some other things. Sorry, rogues, no. Gruel aggro. There were some rogues as well, which did quite well. And also Esper Foretold is what I'm seeing here. So bit of a mix, bit of the uh, Doom Foretold being played again. And then also some some mono green, some mono green food, you know, that kind of stuff. Jeskai Control. And just kind of nothing groundbreaking, nothing new that we haven't seen before. Yeah. I think, I think is probably what sums it up, right? And, you know, the meta has kind of settled into this nice place where there's nothing that is... Like a lot of people will say that Gruel Adventures is the best deck, but it's not the best deck where it's problematic. Yeah, well, it's, the meta's in a good place where, yeah, like the sort of the previous week, people were saying that Gruel was the best deck. So you're expecting, especially for these people in these sort of smaller events, they're expecting a lot of people to play Gruel. Well, it turns out that the Esper Doomfortold deck actually is really good against Gruel. So you get the people that go, okay, well, I'll play the best deck, I'll play Gruel. And then you get the other people that go, well, we're expecting a lot of people to be playing Gruel, which they did, 33%. So we'll play the deck that beats that and then we'll do really well. But then you've also got, you know, your, your Demir Rogues is, is actually pretty good against the Esper deck. Mm-hmm. So if the Esper deck becomes too big, well, then we start to see Demir Rogues come up. But then there's the Rakdos midrange deck, which is really good against the Rogues deck. So if Rogues starts becoming popular, then Rakdos becomes popular again. And yep. if Rakdos yep. is popular, well, Gruul comes right back in. So it's it's actually, this is what we want to see. Yeah, it's in a really good awesome. spot. Yeah. There's a lot of variation there. You know, varied, a varied amount of decks. Like Big Red seems to have a really good matchup against like your Rakdos midranges and Gruul as well. Yeah, but then... Horrible against the uh, the Doom Patrol. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Things like that. So, yeah, like looking at the you know sort of the the breakdown of the match win percentages. So we, we've got here uh, a post that uh, someone's put up from uh, MTG Data on Twitter, and it includes the Channel Fireball event. There's an NRG event. There's a SCG event, and then the MPL and Rivals. There's nothing in that that so it's quite a few matches. There's nothing in that that's jumping out and going, "Whoa, that's got a really high win percentage" or, no. or anything like. Like the highest is fifty five point four percent as its win rate versus the meta, which is fine. But there's two decks with that, and then there's one at fifty five point three. So they're yeah. all, and then like nothing is lower than what forty forty one. Yeah, great. Yeah, I love the <laughs> I love the fact that we're in a spot where deck choice matters again. Mm. You know, like you, you pick the right week where, you know, Rogues is going to be everywhere and you bring, you know, Rakdos midrange and you just stomp your way through the whole field without breaking a sweat. Yeah, Whereas absolutely. If you, if you do it wrong and you bring, you know, like the Mardu for Doom Foretold or something like that, then you might, you know, have a bit of a rough time. So it's awesome that it's not just, oh, hey, it's the Simic dot deck. Oh, this is completely different because there's two cards in the sideboard that are different. No, no, we're talking like total different archetypes. Love it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, this is where we get back to a time that we'll probably at like 18 months ago maybe where if you knew what the right deck was to play on, on a given weekend, you had such a big advantage and you had guys like the Team Lotus Box guys like the i don't think it was really happening as much in standard because i think standard was a little bit stale but for especially modern and pioneer where they were they were really able to to look at the meta and predict what people were going to be playing and figure out exactly what deck you should be playing to beat those decks well what they did and, was they brought the deck that beat their deck from the week before yeah yeah pretty much <laughs> yep 
and mm-hmm. and that just gave you such an advantage for specifically that weekend and then the following weekend it would change and and when the format's in a place like that that's that's awesome um for me personally i like i look at a deck like demir rogues demir rogues is probably you know in the, on this matrix it's got a 45.5 percent win rate across the meta which is not that good but it's the sort of deck that's always going to be pretty good uh, across the field like you it, it's very customizable you can change a f- uh, tweak a few cards here and there and it's still going to be really good there's no really horrible matchups but the, there's also no real amazing matchups so if you're a rogues player and you're currently playing rogues then yeah you, that's when you start looking at you stick with the same deck but start tweaking it and, and making those little changes for what you're actually seeing in the meta change a few numbers here and there and you'll still have a really good deck and uh, and do pretty well with it I think the most important thing about this, the MPL and Rivals uh, standings and, and things is, though, that four-color cycling is a deck again. Uh, thank you very much. <laughs> yeah. We're going to have to take that for a spin. Uh, yep. Simon Gertzen, I mean, he's not quite on top of the ladder. He's not at the bottom. He's tw- 21st out of 48. So, you know, it's not the worst record. Yeah, yeah. But it's actually interesting because this this really matters a lot, right? We we're talking about um, how much this shifts, and I think it's actual half of the MPL drops down. Yeah, there's um, not that many that stay. In. I, I can't. We have, and that's something we'll maybe closer towards the end of the season. We might do a focused episode on on the MPL. It's mm. it's been pretty up in the air for the last twelve to eighteen months, so it's been hard to keep track of exactly what it is. But yeah, there's a lot of. Well, I think there's. It's a big churn. Yeah, there's like a the top quarter or something there's like what 24 people in the MPL yep I think there is and I think eight maybe are locked in to stay and then mm-hmm. like the middle 16 uh the, the middle eight the middle I think the middle eight will stay or, or maybe the middle 12 and they have, they have to play like a um a gauntlet but then the bottom four are, are, are guaranteed to drop or something along no, those lines it's, but, it's more than that now I think yeah, it's okay. almost like the the last um, eight also are guaranteed to drop. Like, there's a big change up coming, which yeah, is interesting. Right. Anyway, yeah. well, we have yep. to see if someone actually knows how any of that works. <laughs> but this, this yeah, I'm, really- I'm pretty sure the NPL players don't even know. So if, if we don't know, it's fine. <laughs> yeah, from so- 17th to 24th, they'll be relegated to Rivals League 2021, 2022. Nice. So yeah, the bottom eight. Wow. Yep. Uh, and there's there's some really big names just sitting there in the top of the Rivals League. LSV yeah. is first. Matt Sperling, uh, Stan Sifka, Eli Cassis, Jacob Wilson, Mike Segrist. They are all PT winners. Newmont. Newmont the Nummy is doing well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So, a lot of Ivan Flock. Like, yeah. Some some real monsters just sitting there in, in the top of Rivals. So, it'll be sweet to- I, I would like to be more invested- yeah, like I, I would legitimately like to care, and I've really struggled to so far. So, yeah. like, if they do get some churn happening, then like maybe that would be interesting. And you know, they're starting to do a little bit better job of like presenting this, like we talked about, where they were doing like live broadcasts and stuff like that. So, yeah, like hopefully these, they these can league con- weekends seem to be good. Yeah, hopefully they can continue to improve it and actually get some buy-in, which would be cool. Yep. Yep. Yeah, I mean it's it's been pretty hard for the last 12 to 18 months just with of course getting people on camera. <laughs> like we we haven't had like players tours where we're actually seeing the people playing the game. So it's uh yeah, it's been been a bit different, but anyway, that was a massive tangent that uh, was not on the show notes. So 
We yeah, were, it was all part. Uh, no, it wasn't. It's the <laughs> NPL Rivals Weekend. That's literally what it was about. Plus, shout out to Chewy. You know, tangents. Yeah, Got to keep it alive. Unfortunately, there'll be no bad jokes. Uh, well, that's that's not a guarantee. Yeah, I haven't got started yet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we might uh, closer towards when when they actually get to the end of this season, we might do a focused episode on the NPL and, and the changes and and what's going to be happening. So. We'll, uh, we'll save that for another time. But, uh, yeah, the main thing we wanted to get into tonight is Kaladesh Remastered. So we've mentioned this uh, a few times over the last few episodes where we had uh, Armandkett Remastered recently in the last few months where they took uh, Armandkett and Hour of Dem- Devastation, the two sets uh, from that block, and smooshed them together, created a set of 300-ish cards and then uh, put them onto Arena to add to the historic format and worked really well. Uh, we did, or I know I did a draft, I know Chewie did a few drafts, so I'm not sure if you other guys did some drafts, but the draft format was really good and just that, sort of that injection of cards into historic seemed to be received pretty well and, you know, sort of breathed some new life into into that format. And, you know, you're sort of getting that nostalgia of the decks that you used to play in standard are sort of now playable in historic. So we're doing that all over again, but this time with the Kaladesh block. So we had Kaladesh and then Aether Revolt were the two sets uh, that were released a few years ago now. And safe to say these this block was quite controversial. Would you uh, agree with that, Cracker? Uh, yes. Yes, I would. <laughs> it was Can fairly you tell me well, Stu, they... I wasn't playing at the time. Oh, okay. okay. I right. thought so you were, I thought it was in, just please. like a sweet segue. Uh, <laughs> energy is the answer. Yes. So uh, energy is a new resource that you get as part of casting cards or acting activating abilities, and then you can spend energy in a multitude of different ways. Um, and so the problem that people had with it was that it was... Man, I'm trying to think of what the right term is. It's not cannibalistic, but it's... Um, like a singular self-contained thing that is going to have to be tracked now for, for the rest of Magic, right? Yeah. And so that yeah. that upset a lot of people. And there were some truly broken cards in the set is the other reason. Yeah, the, the issue with it is it it's a resource mm. that cannot be interacted with in any way. And so you can, you yeah, can, just, right. you can just generate energy and you just slowly rack it up and it, it's, it just stays there. You have an, an energy pool effectively. And you can just spend that energy when when you want to, and because there's no way to interact with it, y- your opponent can't really do anything about it. And the problem that they had in this set is they kind of took cards that would be fine on their own in terms of mana cost and the effect that they did, and they would just add that it it gives you two energy or three energy or something like that, sort of on top of the card that was already there. Right. So you're you're already happy to pay that mana cost for that card, and then also you're getting this bonus of having this energy. So yeah, it was uh, it was interesting, uh, an interesting mechanic. It was pretty cool, but I think the main culprit from that was a card called Etherworks Marvel. Yeah, this uh, this card caused quite a few bannings in the <laughs> in that standard. So uh, I don't actually have the uh, Etherworks Marvel up in front of me. Does anybody have it there? Uh, yes, it is uh, four colorless mana or generic mana, um, legendary artifact. Whenever a permanent you control is put into a graveyard, you get one energy counter. 
You can then tap it and pay one, two, three, four, five, six energy counters and look at the top six cards of your library. You may cast a spell from among them without paying its mana cost, put the rest on the bottom of your library in a random order. So mm. the problem with that card is specifically the word you may cast. Yeah. And cast. Yeah. <laughs> cast. Lo and behold, we had uh, Emrakul, the promised end, in standard. And we also had Ulamog, the ceaseless hunger, in standard, which both had cast triggers. So people were um, flipping Emrakuls on turn four and then taking the next turn, the, the opponent's next turn, and then they had a 13-13 <laughs> flying trampler in play. Or they, they'd hit an Ulamog and exile your two lands and... That was kind of game over. So mm. that deck saw a lot of iterations. It actually stayed in standard for quite a while. Yeah, yeah. And went from being like an all-in kind of combo deck. And by the end of its life, it slowed right down and became quite a mid-range value deck. Yeah, it was, it was com- team with room a- colours. Yeah, it was, unsurprisingly. Seen <laughs> broken again. Um <laughs> And and so it became kind of a really just strong value deck. And and one of the key cards from that deck was a card called Rogue Refiner, which is one blue green uh, for a three two. And it says uh, when Rogue Refiner enters the battlefield, draw a card and you get two energy. And that card actually got banned as well uh, as as part of that kind of cycle of things where they went through and, and cleaned house. Yeah, they like this was the time when wizards basically banned everything except for. Etherworks Marvel. So they mm-hmm, started, mm-hmm. like, they banned Emrakul because that was a problem, and so then people played Ulamog instead. And then yeah, then they started banning, like, they banned a tune with Ether, and they banned, yeah, the Rogue Refiner and sort of all the energy enablers, but they left the Marvel card there, so people just continued to play it. And, yeah, it was not uncommon for people to be hitting an Emrakul, uh, sorry, an Ulamog on turn four. And if they didn't, they were usually in a position where they'd potentially hit another Marvel. And then if they've got enough energy, they can just do it again. And it just, people were what they called spinning the wheels. Yeah. <laughs> you would just, yep, all right, end of your turn. You know, it's instant speed. I'm just going to look at the top six and see what we get. And I, I may just sort of win the game right here and now. So, so. so are we going to see this now? Because Ulamog's currently... In historic, correct? Yeah. Sure yep. is. Yeah, so em- Emrakul's not, because Emrakul's from yep. the Shadows of Runestrad block. Yes. Uh, Eld- Eldritch Moon, I think. But Ulamog was put into historic in that sort of first- Yeah, that's right. What were they calling them? Historic anthologies? Was yeah, that anthologies yeah, that, is the one. I think yeah. so, yeah. The so other Ulamog's, thing you can hear is um, Ugin. Yeah, yeah. true. Yeah, so there's there's plenty of big things in Historic that we can be hitting with this, and most of the energy enablers seem to have been printed into the set as well. So, yeah, I, th- I think I guarantee you people are going to be playing a whole ton of this when the set is or when it's first legal or first released on Arena. So whether or not it ends up being good or, or too powerful or or whatever, we're we're not entirely sure, but. Yeah, it, it will definitely be played and people will be burning a lot of wild cards on it. So there's some fun cards that do energy stuff as well, just before we move on to some of the other mechanics and things. Yeah, yeah. Is Electrostatic Pummeler, which is three generic mana for a 1-1. And it says uh, when Electrostatic Pummeler enters the battlefield, you get three energy and you may pay three energy. Electrostatic Pummeler gets XX until end of turn where X is its power. So you just keep doubling its power every time you pay three energy. And those decks were nuts. Like, there were some really fast wins with that. So, 
I wouldn't be surprised to see people trying some of that sort of thing as well. But again, yeah. it's it's hard to know, like, does it fit in Gruul? Like the current Gruul builds, right? Like yeah. three three mana is a lot in Historic. So I'd, I'd be interested to see if it's like, does it make the cut? Is the fact that you have to like put all this energy stuff in your deck and you've only got this one, you know, set in quotes of cards to to draw from, is it going to be enough support? I mean, I don't know. It's It's interesting. Yeah, and that was that was always one of the issues with the energy mechanic, and that's yes. why we haven't. It hasn't. It's never been played in modern, uh, and it hasn't really worked in pioneer either, because it's it only has that block to support it. Yeah, and that's that's unfortunately what we see with some of these mechanics is they they they're only for that block. There's not a deep enough card pool, and they're not quite powerful enough to actually bridge into those older formats. But historic might be might be enough that uh, that actually works but it might not be it might it might be perfectly fine and yeah, it's just a deck that that people get to play so should be pretty cool to see but with this set uh we sort of saw in the armor kit one they left a few cards out but they also added a whole bunch of random cards in cards like wrath of god and and different thought things sees. like that yeah thought sees. Uh, in this this time for Kaladesh, there's only oh, there's, there's a bunch of cards they're obviously leaving out to sort of cut that cut it down. But there's a few main ones that uh, that they're leaving out. So the old uh, Luda Scooter, the Smuggler's Copter, which uh, was banned in Standard, is not seeing print, which uh, is not surprising because that card is is very powerful. Have you ever played with Smuggler's Copter, Stu? You you might no. have. No. Do you, do you actually oh, know what it does? I do not. Oh, I was just the, about to look it up. The- original vehicle man <laughs> it's it's the original and the best so it is a two uh two mana uh artifact vehicle uh for a three three it has flying and when it attacks all blocks you can draw a card if you do discard a card so it mm. it loots so that's yep. why it's called the the looter scooter and it cruise for one which is the yeah. really important part about it because there was a lot of um servos was a big sub theme of yeah this. the to- one one tokens yeah yep and so you would play like a one drop, you know, and then be able to on turn three attack with a three three flying looter. And I mean the card is just great. Like it's so it's so good. It's yeah. like I understand why it got banned, but I mean they kind of they wanted to make vehicles work and they did. <laughs> a bit too good. And so in the next set we saw Heart of Kieran, which is actually being printed again. Yeah. Yep. And that's a two mana for a four four with vigilance, and you can activate it using a loyalty counter from your planeswalker, or from uh, I think it's got a crew of two for memory. Yeah, yeah, it's crew two, which is which is also really uh, good. Three, sorry, no, crew, crew, three. crew three, three. Yeah. Oh, sorry, yes, I didn't yep. have it in front of me. Yeah, so interesting card, but just didn't see as much play because it didn't have that inbuilt card advantage. Yeah, it, it got played in. There was a Mardu vehicles deck mm-hmm. that uh, played like the Gideon. And uh, yeah, that it, it was definitely played alongside that, and it was definitely very powerful. Like a, a two mana four four flying vigilance is is very good, and the ability to remove a loyalty counter from a planeswalker, you can do that at instant speed as well. So the fact that it has vigilance, like you can uptick your planeswalker, attack with it, and then on your opponent's turn, it's not a creature until you crew it. But if they attack into you, you can just remove a counter from your planeswalker. You've now got a four four flyer and you can block with it so yeah very powerful card but yeah the the big thing with the looter scooter is it, it effectively gave all of your one power creatures haste 
because you, you just had you had the smuggler's copter on the, the battlefield and any one power or more creature you played you can just tap it to crew the the smuggler's copter and away you go with it so smuggler's copter is yeah obviously it was banned in standard it's banned in pioneer uh, it wasn't initially but it did get banned in pioneer and it's effectively been banned in historic by not printing it in this set so very powerful card and yeah probably would have been too good to uh, to put in so i'm glad we didn't see that one uh, another card that didn't get printed is a card that also this one got banned or did the other one get banned felidar guardian felidar guardian did get banned yes so felidar guardian is a uh, a card that combos with a planeswalker uh called sahili rai uh do you remember the combo cracker i do i do so uh sahili rai is a three mana planeswalker and it has an ability that you can uh, exile a permanent, I believe it is, or a creature, sorry, and then it comes back as a copy of itself. Uh, and Felidar Guardian has an enters right. the battlefield ability where it can uh, basically blink a permanent. And so you would do a thing where you would have a Sahili Rai in play, you would play your Felidar Guardian, you would blink your Sahili Rai, yeah, or something else, you didn't again. even have to blink your Sahili. And then you use your Sahili Rai ability to copy, uh, copy the, the Felidar Guardian which would give you another enters the battlefield trigger you'd blink your Sahili yeah. it's then a new copy it is a new object as far as magic is concerned and no ability has been activated so you can continue doing that and you make yourself infinite one four cat tokens with haste, with haste. that's yeah. right because Sahili gives them all haste yes which is wow. the important part of the combo so it was called yeah. cat combo um it's effectively splinter twin um, yeah, sure. true. Let's go with that, <laughs> shall we? Well, it's, uh, a, it's, a, okay. it's a three mana planeswalker into a four mana creature. That so is it's, accurate. It's flipped, is flipped around the other way from Splinter Twin, but I mean, the, the fact that Sahili doesn't have flash is yeah, a good yeah. thing. It's it definitely, definitely not as good as Splinter <laughs> Twin. But anyway, funny thing about this was this combo was discovered the day that these cars got spoiled. Yeah, like before in, they were instantly. Pretty- I, I think I saw Willie I Edel talk about it like the very first day that these cards got previewed and he's like isn't this just infinite combo and wizards are like don't worry <laughs> about it it's fine it's okay <laughs> and they let it stay for a little bit and it turns out that yes infinite combos are in fact too good <laughs> and and much like the especially um, when they get in haste right like correct yeah, well yeah, yeah it's just it's just an i win button yep so yeah the they they kind of let it ride for a little bit and the the actual the, the games were interesting the the decks Again, they started out as like all-in turbo versions, if you would, where that was the sole focus. And they ended up as kind of Jeskai control, Jeskai mid-range decks with a combo finish. And so there were just a lot of ways to accrue value from other things your um, that your Felidar Guardian could blink. And a lot of people were really quite upset that they decided to ban Felidar Guardian instead of Sahili because Sahili didn't do anything with any other no, cards, basically. Yes. Sahili didn't see any play outside of this, whereas yeah, but, Felidar Guardian was useful. Yeah, but Sahili was a face card and a mythic, yep. and so they banned the uncommon instead. Yep, and it's effectively the same reason with Aetherworks Marvel, which was also a mythic. That This was a time when Wizards were very scared of bannings. We, we had not had bans for quite a while. And all of a sudden, it was like, "Oh boy, this is a is a problem." And and we got a lot. This was actually the set that spurred Wizards on to hiring the play design team that was meant to fix standard and stop this from ever happening again. <laughs> I mean, just uh, rewind in- this podcast about ten minutes and go back to listen to that no ban list standard event that we just ran. And uh- <laughs> in, in play design's defence, there are no infinite combos that were discovered turn one of the format. <laughs> 
There were just infinite broken value engines. Sp- speaking of infinite combo shorty, there's one more card that is there a is. notable omission from this, and it is the Walking Ballista. Tell us yeah. about it. So, uh, yeah, Walking Ballista, I've, I assume you've seen this one, uh, Stu. I have, yes. Yes, def- definitely played against this. So, Walking Ballista is a XX for its mana cost. So, X colorless, X, X colorless for a 0-0. Zero, zero. Uh, when it enters a battlefield, it enters a battlefield with X plus one plus one counters on it. So if you want it to come in as a one one, it costs you two mana. You have to pay one mana twice, uh, four mana for a two two, and so on. But it has pay four generic mana uh, and don't tap it. Just four generic mana. Put a plus one plus one counter on Walking Blister, and then it has remove a plus one plus one counter from it, and it deals one damage to any target. So this card was very powerful in standard, very powerful in modern very powerful in pioneer this this has been a very very powerful card that's been a staple for basically ever since it was was printed and then we went and got a card called heliod Mm -hmm. in uh in what was that theros beyond death yes yeah so uh uh, where's heliod sun crown so heliod sun crown is two and a white for a five five legendary enchantment creature god he's indestructible most of his text doesn't really matter, but he's, he, one of his abilities is whenever you gain life, put a plus on plus on counter on target creature or enchantment you control, and you can pay one and a white to give another creature lifelink until end of turn. So what you can do is you can give your walking ballista lifelink, and then you can remove a counter from it to deal one damage to your opponent. And because it has lifelink, you gain a life, which means you put that counter back onto walking ballista, and you now have another infinite combo where you just kill your opponent and have infinite life so yeah i can see why they didn't want to print walking ballista into into this yeah i think that makes sense well. it's a shame though dude because <laughs> like again ballista by itself yeah is very a good card. fun card it's great because like turn two it's a one drop you can block something you can sack it and you know ping a one one awesome what yeah. a great value card draw it on turn 15 when you've got you know 10 mana in play and you just go I have a 5-5 five five, and like mow down their board or like you can just dump mana into it's really good it's just plays so nicely but unfortunately you know Heliod exists and, and like Heliod is its own archetype right there's the whole um, mono white life gain deck yeah there's a, which, there's a which, pioneer pioneer yeah. Heliod blister combo deck well, no, it got banned. Oh, no, no, yeah, that's right. It did get banned. Yeah, yeah so there, got, there, was, banned. Yeah. <laughs> there was a Pioneer deck. Ballista got banned in, in, <laughs> yeah, in exactly. Pioneer for that reason. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. Like, uh, Ballista seems like a more fun card to have in a format than Heliot does, but, I mean, that's fine. So, and look, it makes sense that, you know, given one of those cards existed already and they had the choice to not bring this in and not have to yeah. ban the other thing, then, like, of course, that's the choice they're going to make. So, yep. anyway. Yeah, exactly. There's, there's some other sweet cards in this set, man. Like, just- a lot of sweet cards. Shorty mentioned that we were going to be, you know, covering this. So I spent a bit of time trawling through the list. And like, apart from the fact that you just look at energy and go, I have no idea if that's going to be good enough or not. There were a bunch of other themes in this set. There was a really strong plus one, plus one counters theme, which is pretty sweet. And I do wonder whether there's a, a deck there. There's the Winding Constrictor. Yeah, Winding Constrictor. Yeah. Uh, which is black and a green for a two, three. Um, whenever you put a, a counter permanent yeah put two on instead or an additional one i think it is yeah an additional one which is really good and they stack so you know there's there's just a lot of stuff there there's also 
the gear hulks and dude i love me the gear hulks <laughs> particularly the old fat caster mage as he is known <laughs> please explain he's yes. the torrential gear hulk do you not know that his nickname was fat caster for a while there Stuart? i did not know that oh uh, yeah so do you know this card and that's yeah, I, I've seen it. I okay, seen so it. Torrential Gear Hulk is four blue blue for an artifact creature construct. It is a five six with flash, and it says when Torrential Gear Hulk enters the battlefield, you may cast target instant card from your graveyard without paying its mana cost. If that spell will be put into your graveyard this turn, exile it instead. Dude, I mean six yeah. mana is a lot, and I don't know if it's too much. But look, there are blue white control decks that exist in historic or there are even demir control decks that exist and like what a blocker <laughs> like, you, just, <laughs> yeah. you yeah. flash this yeah. in you've got a five six in play that your opponent wasn't expecting and then like your best instant and and you could do things like cast dig through time with it oh i mean that's that's not <laughs> that's, in, that's not in historic i know but, we, but you we could. do have cards like you sublime could. epiphany in historic so yeah uh, it's not quite exciting no, um it's not Anyway, but there's there's a whole set of those. So there's um, a white one called Cataclysmic Gear Hulk, but it's white, so no one cares. Um, <laughs> look, Most the, of the, them, people don't the, care about. The, the two that saw play particularly were Torrential Gear Hulk, and then the green one, which is Verderous Gear Hulk, which is three green green uh, for a four four we trample, and it says when it enters the battlefield, distribute four plus one plus one counters among any number of target creatures you control. So if you have the um, Winding Constrictor, which I was talking about before, that becomes uh, what four. If you're putting them on four different creatures, it becomes eight counters in total, which is really good. And if you have nothing else on the board, you just get a five mana eight eight with Trample, because it doesn't say it's just any number of targets. So yeah, it can be yeah. you can target the one thing four times, or you can target four different things. So whatever it is. So really powerful, just big top end green over the top card. The black one destroys things, destroys a creature. The red one does the whole um, draw cards and exile them and people can pay life instead of giving you the cards. Uh, and then the, the white one lets you kind of sacrifice. Your opponents have to choose to sacrifice a bunch of stuff. So really fun cycle. Um, and I mean, I'll be looking to see how many Mythic Rare wildcards I've gotten and whether I can put a Torrential Gear Hulk in anything. Uh, yeah. Anyway. Uh, that's cool. So I've got, uh, I have a ton of cards like this. I actually really enjoyed playing Standard when uh, when this set was legal. And one of the cards, or a couple of cards, Chewie and I have both been waiting for. We've, we've talked a fair bit about the God Pharaoh's Gift deck that we played. Uh, we both played at Nationals whenever that was a few years ago. And mm -hmm. yeah, a couple of key cards were missing from that. So one of them is uh, the Angel of Invention, which is three white white for a 2-1 Flying Vigilant Lifelink. So five mana for a 2-1 is not the best, but it has Fabricate 2 and other creatures you control get plus one plus one. So the Fabricate 2 means it can either come in with two plus one plus one counters on it, or you can create two servos. So if it comes in and you give it its counters, it's a 4-3 Flying Lifelink Vigilant for five mana that pumps all the rest of your creatures. That's pretty good. Or you can go wide and leave it as a 2-1 and you're effectively creating 2-2s. Two, two, two. So that's pretty good. But when you reanimate this with God Pharaoh's Gift, it comes in as a 4-4. Four, four. So it's a 4-4 four, four flying Vigilant Lifelink with haste that you can also put two counters on it to make it a 6-6 six, six flying Vigilance with Lifelink and haste. So 
perfect reanimation target for Godfarer's Gift. You can kind of look at what your opponent's doing and go, all right, well, when it comes in, do I want to just have a 6-6 and just bash your face and, and you know, go go tall? Or I can go wide. If I think you're going to kill my Angel of Invention, then I can just create the two tokens. They're both going to be 2 twos because of my Angel. And if you kill my Angel, well, that's fine. I've, I'll just reanimate something else. So the card that goes along with uh, that Godfrey's Gift combo is Refurbish, which we've been waiting on as well. So it's just three and a white return target artifact card from your graveyard to the battlefield. So you are aiming in that deck to hit four mana on turn four, have been just putting stuff in your graveyard with Champion of Wits and Charter Course and different things like that. And yeah, have a Godfarer's Gift there that you can refurbish, have a Angel that you can get out. And so yeah, turn four, you're swinging with a 6-6 Flying Lifelink Vigilant Creature. So pretty good. And, Sounds uh, gross. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was, uh, was really good. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm hoping that, uh, that that will still be uh, be quite good. Uh, Stu, have you got... Uh, Got any cards? I know there's a there's a certain Red Planeswalker that the old uh, Blaster Boy is a big fan of. That's getting pretty there is set. there is, and I and and I picked that out because as as you know, I didn't play around this. I don't know a lot of the cards, and I haven't had the time to go through the list and see what's what. But yeah, the Blaster Boy's favorite uh, Red Planeswalker, Chandra Torch of Defiance, is in this set. I don't really know what to say about the card. I've <laughs> it's never got played four with abilities. It. So it does have four <laughs> abilities, and it costs four. Two, two red and two generic and starts with four loyalty, so it doesn't die to lightning bolt, but we don't have a lightning bolt, so I don't have to worry about that. Uh, it's first plus one. It has two plus one abilities. Exile the top card of your library. You may cast that card. If you don't, Chandra, Torture Defiance deals two damage to each opponent. It's second plus one is add two red mana, and it's minus three. Uh, Chandra, Torture Defiance deals four damage to target creature, and it's minus seven. You get an emblem with whenever you cast a spell, this emblem deals five damage to any target. That's a good emblem. Dude, Chandra was a house. Mm. Yeah. She is such a good card because she does like it. And I always hated this about the Teferi argument where, oh, he only costs you three mana. Chandra only costs you two by that logic because you get you get money back. You get your mana yeah. back straight away. Get your mana back. Um, yep. or, or you draw cards. And if you don't want- the card, you don't cast it. You go, oh, cool. It's you just a land. Shock your opponent. You just shock something. You yeah. just, just just deal two. Take it. D- amazing. Really, really. So heaps and heaps of play. Um, very strong in the um, the Mardu Vehicles decks. And I'd be stunned if it didn't see quite a lot of play in any of the slightly larger mono red decks. Yeah, definitely. Like anything that's going up to playing the... Um, What's the enchantment, Shorty? Uh, experimental Frenzy? Yeah, anything that's playing Frenzy, I would oh, expect. Oh, for sure, yeah. You, you would have some number of these uh, as a replacement or in the main or in the board. Like, it, it's, it fits that kind of thing just super well. Yeah. And uh, I, this is my favourite Chandra art. Of, oh, of yeah. Any. Yeah, it's yeah. awesome. Absolutely. Yeah. Love the art on that one. Uh, Cracker, there's a card. I don't even know if you remember that this card's in this set, but Sram, your uh, <laughs> your old mate, is uh, is getting I, printed. I remember Sram, <laughs> of course. Yeah. Uh, so Sram is the dwarf uh, advisor, right? Yeah, yeah. So he's part of a cycle. Actually, there was one for each color. Yeah. Uh, this one was uh, uh, two two for two, uh, and whenever you cast an aura, equipment, or vehicle spell, draw a card. 
So the reason Shorty mentions this is for a while there, I was testing out what is known as Cheerios, which is a, a combo deck in modern, which doesn't exist anymore because Mox Opal got banned. But you basically played all of the zero mana equipment that exists that people didn't realize there were a lot of. <laughs> and it was actually a storm deck. So you would play SRAM yeah, right. and then pure steel paladin. So it was basically it was a blue white deck and you could you could just chain together like thirty spells in a turn and and then grape shot people for, for the win was kind of the plan. It was <laughs> it was glass cannon, it was a lot of fun and I <laughs> audibled out of it at the last minute to play Hogak instead and have no regrets. <laughs> so the un- the other reason I brought that card up is we now actually have pretty much the entire Pioneer Ors of Horrors deck yes. in Historic. Although what we actually have in Historic that we don't have in Pioneer is the Core Spirit Dancer, which is a which is in modern oh, but is not in Pioneer. That. So I'm tipping we I mean there's there's already Ors of Horrors decks that get played in Historic and mm-hmm. adding a SRAM to that is is gonna be yeah, pretty good for it. So it's um yeah, I'd be definitely keeping an eye out for those because I think it's going to be pretty powerful. The other thing we get, which we haven't mentioned yet, but we get in Kaladesh the fast land. So we have the enemy fast lands oh, in yeah. here. So you've got your like for the Ors of One, you've got concealed courtyard, which is uh, enters a battlefield tapped unless you control two or fewer other lands, and then it taps for a white or a black. So they're called fast lands because they only come in untapped in your first three turns or when you've got. You know, this is up to your third land. Beyond that, they're coming into play tap. So for aggressive decks, they're perfect because you really only want to be hitting three mana and you want to make sure you've got all your colors straight away. So, yeah, the uh, the mana in uh, in those colored decks, like you've got a white-black pathway, you've got concealed courtyards, you've got godless shrines. So there's really good mana for the uh, the enemy colored, uh, colored pairs. So be definitely That's- keeping an eye out for that. Yeah, for sure. And and there's five of them as well. There's black, yeah. green, blue, green, black, white, red, white, and blue, red. So, yeah. like, they are excellent lands. If you've never had a chance to play with them, they are, like, awesome, awesome lands. Um, I mean, I know we're getting kind of long in this cast already. No, there's probably, like, another 30 I've cards got so many I cards I want to mention. <laughs> uh, okay, so there's one that we really should talk about because this card has been mentioned on this cast a couple of times. It's Fatal Push. Stu. Tell us about Fatal Push. Fatal Push. It is a solitary black mana. It's an instant. Destroy target creature if it has converted mana cost two or less. It also has Revolt. Destroy that creature if it has converted mana cost four or less instead if a permanent you controlled left the battlefield this turn. Have you you've managed to cast Fatal Pushes before in Pioneer or Modern? I've cast some in Pioneer, yes. Yep. yep. Yeah, this is a premium removal. Like this card gets played in almost all formats. It's it, it's very it, very powerful. Yeah, legacy, modern, the whole thing. Yeah, it's. It, I remember when this card came out, and that was when I was first really paying a lot of attention to like podcasts and like competitive magic. Right, this is when I was really deep into you know what was going on and what the metagames were, and and everyone was just blowing up about the fact that this card was just so instantly played in all these other formats. And it had been a while since anything had like been that overtly powerful in a standard set that would just go into modern. So I think this is awesome for for historic. Like yes. this this card is like if you play black mana, you will put three or four of these in your deck just instantly. Like it 
it's so, so good and so easy to trigger revolt as well, um, particularly when you've got like Fable Passage um, and just like some other stuff. I mean, it's not quite as easy in modern where you have actual fetch lands and things, but it's not that hard to get something to disappear off the battlefield. Yeah. And yeah, it's just, I think mean, it kills a four CMC thing then. Yep. Easy. Just one thing as like a PSA for this card playing on Arena, the it allows you to target any creature, no matter what converted mana cost it is. So mm. it's it's destroy target creature if it has converted mana cost two or less, and then it's destroy that creature if it has converted mana cost four or less. So it's only checking that the target can be any creature, but if it has if it doesn't meet the criteria, it just won't be destroyed. So it will always fizzle. yeah, it will always show up in your hand as being castable. Right. And so a lot of people will make that mistake of going, Oh, yeah, I can cast this and they target a creature and that and then your spell just goes in your graveyard and nothing happens. So You'll do it at least once, but you've been warned. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's it, you've got to be pretty careful. Make sure if you're trying to kill something that's converted mana cost four or less that you have actually triggered resol- uh, revolt and it's going to actually resolve. I've got, yeah, I have heaps of cards f- from this set that I'm, I'm really keen to see. Like We've got Ceremonious Rejection, which is a single mm-hmm. blue, counters a, a colorless spell. Uh, that's That's been pretty heavily played in sideboards in modern. Uh, yeah, pretty good when we've got Ugans and Etherworks Marvels and things like that coming in. Uh, another card that's uh, uh, enabled a combo in standard again, Paradoxical Outcome. I think this is a Saffron Olive favorite. I think he's, he's pretty keen on this this card. This is three and a blue. Return any number of target non-land, non-token permanents you control to their owner's hands. Draw a card for each card returned to your hand this way. So similar to the deck Cracker was talking about before, the uh, the Cheerios deck, you, you played a bunch of really cheap artifacts or zero mana artifacts and things like Mox Amber, and yeah, you would play them out and then you would bounce them all back to your hand, draw a whole bunch of cards, generate some mana along the way, play them all again, and I can't even remember, I think you were just like generating tokens with Psy and, and different things like that. So e- Either that or Aetherflux Reservoir. Yeah, that's right. Is, yeah, every time you one. cast so, a spell, you're... Yeah, so every time you cast a spell, you gain one life for each spell you've cast this turn. Uh, so uh, yes, I know this it card. stacks, you know, like the first one you gain one and the second one you gain two and so yep. on, and it just keeps going. Uh, and then the win condition is it says pay 50 life, Aetherflux Reservoir deals 50 damage to any target. I yep. don't know why you would target anything but your opponent, <laughs> but you have the choice. Well, they might have a creature you want to kill. <laughs> they do. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, yeah. That that lethal fop the token for next turn, man. Never mind, never mind the fact that they're not on. F- <laughs> anyway, I actually wonder whether that is just like um, paradoxical outcome decks aside. I wonder if that is a like an actual win condition in like some of these mono white life gain decks. Yeah, maybe not. Maybe it's a bit hard, but I yep. mean, they gain a lot of life really quickly. Yeah, they do. Yep. Um, we've also got Whir of Invention, which again has been heavily played in modern. It's uh, X, uh, blue, blue, blue for an instant, and it has Improvise, which is a mechanic we haven't touched on yet. But Improvise it allows you to tap artifacts in kind of like Convoke, but for artifacts. So you tap yeah. an artifact to pay the the colorless or the generic mana part of the uh, the cost. Uh, and it says search your library for an artifact card with converted mana cost X or less and put onto the battlefield. So, yeah, instant speed means you can, you know, you're, you're playing a whole bunch of different artifacts and you can sort of tutor up the artifact that you need. And, and it gets played a lot in modern where you're playing sort of a lot of silver bullets that you want to go and find to uh, to do what you want. Like, uh, what was it played in the, um, what's that stupid 
Lantern of Insight. Lantern, yeah, that's the uh, Lantern Control. What a Lantern awful, Control? That's the deck awful I'm trying deck to think that of. was. Terrible deck. <laughs> uh, you you would use a uh, how deep do we want to go down that? No. It was a terrible combo deck. If you want to look at it, go have <laughs> yeah. no fun oh. whatsoever. I thought about asking about it, but no, let's just leave yeah. it. Yep. <laughs> Uh, yeah, red, we see, uh, I'm not going to go into all these cards, but we've got cards like Kari Zev and PNLR, very good, uh, very good red creatures, the Kari Zev, especially in your, in your red aggressive decks, because you, you get, uh, the three power, Ragavan. yeah, three power, three toughness spread across two bodies with first strike and menace, and yeah, pretty, uh, pretty cool there. Uh, Scrap Heap Scrounger is yep. another really powerful card. It's, uh, two mana for a three, two, can't block. Um, one in a black, exile another creature card from your graveyard, and you return Scrap Heap Scrounger from the graveyard to the battlefield. So super annoying to deal with uh, because it just keeps coming back. Yeah. Over yeah. and over again. And like <laughs> two mana for three, two is above rate. Yep. So I expect that we'll see playing aggressive decks for yeah. sure. What about Scrap Trawler? Uh, <laughs> man, I'm glad he was not here. <laughs> so so glad. Uh maybe. Look, there, there I guess in case you hadn't noticed, this is an artifact theme set and there yeah, are a, a lot ton of, of super there is a lot. crazy artifacts. So Scrap Trawler is part of the infamous KCI combo. <laughs> Whenever Scrap Trawler or another artifact you control is put into a graveyard from a battlefield, return it return to your hand artifact card in your graveyard with lesser converted mana cost. So when Scrap Trawler dies, you get a two mana thing back from your graveyard to your hand. Um, if you had, you know, a, a two mana thing die while Scrap Trawler is still in play, then you can get a one mana thing. So there was chains you could do. Um, I don't know. Maybe someone someone will try it for sure. Yeah. Chewie can waste his rare wild cards on that one. <laughs> Speaking of artifact cards, uh, but ones that definitely will see play, Bomat Courier. Yes. This card was, yeah, absolute staple. So it's one mana, one generic for a 1-1 one, one with haste. And it has whenever it attacks, exile the top card of your library face down. So you, you don't actually get to look and see what the card is. It just gets put under your under your Bomat Courier. Uh, and then it has red, discard your hand, sacrifice Bomat Courier, put all cards exiled with Bomat Courier into their owner's hand. So in your mono red aggressive decks, this card was perfect because you just you drop it down on turn one, you get in for one, and then basically for the rest of the game, you just leave one red mana up. So your opponent just does not want to kill this thing because they know you're just going to collect all the cards. The The Bomat crew is delivering the mail to you and you're going to get all the cards under it. And when you're playing in a red aggressive deck, you're dumping your hand on the battlefield anyway. So you don't mind if you're discarding one, two, three cards when you're getting four cards back from your Bomat career or potentially more. Like sometimes I've, I've seen and I've... I've sacrifice Bomat Couriers with six, seven, eight cards under them. And it's just, for a mono red deck, that is just so much value. So yeah, definitely going to see play that card and yeah, be looking forward to uh, crafting some of those pretty quickly. Yeah, swallow your pill and kill it early. <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> is is the way to play against that. It seems innocuous, but yeah, like Shorty says, like once your mono deck, mono red opponent refuels on turn five with four cards, <clears throat> <laughs> that is not a good feeling, let me tell you. Yep. Uh, Stu, have you seen Etherhub? That's another card you probably would have played before. Etherhub, yes, I have seen it. I don't think I've used it. Okay, yeah, right. Do you want to read out what it does? Yep, so it's a, it's a land, uh, and when Etherhub enters the battlefield, you get an energy counter. Uh, you could tap it and add color, one colorless mana, or tap it and pay one energy counter and add one mana of any color. Yeah. 
So, again, this was a card that was pretty widely played. There was just so much sort of incidental energy production in, in almost any deck you were playing. So you, you were often able to just use your Ether Hub as a, a rainbow land. It, it added whatever you wanted. But even just getting that one activation out of it and get, fixing the, the mana that you need was generally enough with the Ether Hub. So definitely going to see play as well, that card. Um, yeah, cool. I've, I've just got one more to mention, and Cracker, I don't know if you've got any more, but this one's, uh, a, again, another favourite of Chewie's uh, Inventor's Fair, and, and both of us played a, a bit of this card, and I think it was played in KCI as well. It's, I, uh, I got one of them from Josh and Pat's. Nice. Yeah, it's a cool, cool card, actually, and cool cool art. But, yeah, it's a legendary land, and it has, at the beginning of your upkeep, if you control three or more artefacts, you gain one life. So that's nice, and it does actually add up, and, and in an artefact theme set, you've often got three or more artefacts. Uh, taps for a colorless, and then you can pay four, tap it, sack it, search your library for an artifact card, reveal it, put it into your hand, then shuffle your library, but you can only activate it if you've got three or more artifacts. So it's a tutor for the artifacts that you need, and when it's not tutoring, it's just gaining you a little bit of life, which again, when you're playing against mono-red aggressive decks, is pretty cool. So that's enough for me. Cracker, you got any last ones you want to go through? Um, I mean, there's... We had a lot of fun, and we played this set a lot, actually. Like, we we were playing standard quite a bit during this period, so yeah. that's why Shorty and I have got, like, a bunch of things that we're really <laughs> excited about. And it's actually a really fun draft format. Like, the the original um, Kaladesh and both Aether Revolt were both really good, and if they um, Wizards have done the same level of job as they did with the Amonkhet Remastered, I imagine that this will be a lot of fun to draft. Um, a lot of really good two-colour pairs that are, are really well supported all the way down. There'll be some that are better than others, but, um, yeah, I, I expect that will be a bunch of fun. Um, there were a couple of things that I did see. Heroic Intervention is a really strong card. Uh, one and a green for an instant. Permanence you control gain hexproof and indestructible until end of turn. Mm, seems pretty good. It's just, you know, like uh, wrath prevention wrath yeah. proof kind of thing so yeah. we got that printed in m21 didn't we so it is already in history yeah i thought we did have it already but this was when yeah. it originally came out yep and then what else is there oh um if energy is a thing then harness lightning will probably be a card yeah, yeah. um which is one in red for an instant it says choose target creature you get three energy and then you pay any amount of energy and harness lightning deals that much damage to that creature so it's effectively um like one in a red for deal three right with just on its face but if you've got other energy lying around like we talked about there was just a lot of energy lying around um you can deal with really big things and there was a a, a deck that i played which was Oh, it was based around Harness Lightning and it was based around... Oh, I'm trying to remember what it's called. Hang on, I'll find it. It's an artifact. I had it before. Dynavolt Tower, that's the one. So it's three mana for an artifact. It says whenever you cast an instant or sorcery spell, you get two energy and then pay tap and pay five energy and it deals three damage to any target. So it was quite... It wasn't very good, but it was a lot of fun. <laughs> Uh, yeah. It was a it was a blue red spells kind of deck, which if you know anything about me, you know that I enjoy that kind of strategy. And you know, like it was just it was a bunch of fun. There was some some sweet win conditions with like um, metallurgic summonings, <laughs> things like that. There yeah. was some some oddball stuff in there. But anyway, yeah. the 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 good thing with harness lightning is you get to choose the amount of 
energy you pay. So if you're only correct, if you're only you shooting actually- something with one toughness, you only mm-hmm. have to pay one, and then you're left with two energy left over that you just keep in your pool and you can use for future harness lightnings when you need to kill something bigger. Correct. One last thing that I spotted: panharmonicon. <laughs> Speaking of saffron olive. Speaking of saffron olive. So uh, for generic mana for an artifact. If an artifact or creature entering the battlefield causes a triggered ability of a permanent you control to trigger, that ability triggers an additional time. So just imagine it in <laughs> Team Elementals. <laughs> oh, boy. Just imagine just it with get, Terror just, of the Peaks. Just double. Yeah, there you go. That's a oh. perfect example. Terror of the Peaks, double your triggers. Game over. Yep. Just just and imagine it with Omnath. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Is Omnath banned in Historic? Yes, it is. <laughs> it is too. Yeah. Good. <laughs> yes. Yes. Yeah. Uh, and, and Shorty's just reminded me there's one card that they've added in, which is Sculpting Steel, which is quite an old card. It that takes us back to original Mirrodin, I think. Yeah. Something like that. It's definitely that era. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Mirrodin. And yeah, it's three mana for an artifact. It says you may have Sculpting Steel into the battlefield as a copy of any artifact on the battlefield. So super powerful, powerful effect. Um, we were talking about, you know, like gear hulks and there's like a 1010 creature. Yeah, Metalwork Colossus. Yeah. Well, yep. I know you played some of that. Yeah, yeah, I played some of that. Yeah. So it, look, copy three mana for a copy. Works Marvel. Copy of anything. Yeah. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Why not? Of any artifact on the battlefield. Yeah. I mean, I think that's a good add. I like the fact that they um they picked something out. They didn't go, obviously, quite as many cards as they did with the... um. The last remaster set, but it's nice that they've got these pathways to bring other things in. Yeah, which yep. is cool. The uh, the problem is the wild cards. <laughs> At least they're not charging us double. Remember when that was a thing? <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's so many cards I want to craft from yeah. this set, and yeah, I think I've got like seven rare wild cards. So That's I'm seven more than what I have. I, I think I think I'm yeah somewhere about that. Uh, Unfortunately, I just had a lot of fun with uh, the most recent set and crafted a lot of stuff. Yeah, yep. they came and went very quickly. Anyway, yeah. all right. So yeah, I think uh, I think we're all pretty excited about Kaladesh. It's going to be pretty cool for historic, and yeah, it should be a fun format to draft as well. So definitely get on that. By the time you're listening to this cast, it will be released on Arena. So mm-hmm. yeah, have have fun with it and uh, let us know how you're going with it. So if you do want to play some uh, some tournaments where you're uh, actually playing for something in historic uh scg released uh, a new series that they're doing and uh, they're calling them satellites which i don't quite get but anyway that's what that's what they're calling them but basically they're they're events that are run on fridays and saturdays it's six us dollars to enter uh it's being run through mtg melee and you play six rounds of swiss and you're trying to qualify for the champion uh, the qualifier weekends that you normally you qualify through on arena by getting the top 1200 in the uh, in the mythic rankings so there's a few little bonuses you get uh, you know if you get if you go 60 you get two buys uh, if you go 51 you get one buy and then if you go 42 you get an invitation to uh, an, a future event so yeah it's um We've seen this before. I was, I was racking my brain trying to remember where we've seen this before, and I can't remember if it was CFB's events or what it is, but there's a few of these things coming out which are 
sort of alternative ways to get into the championships or the the qualifier weekends, which are the way that you're you know if you're if you're trying to get into rivals or the MPL, that's how you do it effectively. You get into these qualifier weekends, you qualify, that gets you to you know mythic invitationals and the players tours and and the various sort of uh, top tier level events, and then from there, when you if you perform well, that's how you acquire enough uh, wins and points and things like that to get into the MPL and Rivals. So for people, I guess, like us that don't have the time to grind, like I've, I've never been anywhere near Mythic because I just don't play enough, this is one of those things where it's like, okay, well, I'm just going to dedicate a Saturday that's coming up and I'm going to play in one of these events. And if I spike it, well, hey, there we go. I just kind of skipped the queue and, and made my way into there. So, I mean, none of us on here have really been involved that much in playing these sorts of events that have been running, the CFV events and the other SCG events, but, you know, it might pique us and uh, inspire us to give one a go. It's great that there are more avenues that Wizards are starting to do things where you don't have to go through the single channel to qualify for these kinds of things. So, like, I'm really glad to see that these are being run, and they're run there a lot. I was just looking at the schedule, and, man... There, on the first one, which is the 20th of November, there are four satellites and they run at a whole variety of times. There's one at like five, they're all American times. Yeah. But there's like one at 5 a.m., one at 1 p.m., one at 7 p.m., one at 11 p.m. Yeah, effectively, so you, you can find one that suits your you, time. You, absolutely. Exactly. And they've clearly done that in, you know, understanding that this is a like an international thing, right? And, you know, like parts of America are like 19 hours behind us now or something like that. Because so, <laughs> they're on daylight savings and we're at daylight savings. Yeah. And it's just like, so it's awesome. And there are a lot. There are lots and lots of dates. So, uh, cool. Great. I don't yeah, know. Yeah. Like, you know, if I find myself at a loose end on one of these days, will I join? Maybe. Sure. <laughs> not likely over the next- Bro, You know, it seems, <laughs> seems unlikely. It's not, look, it's not why I play Magic. No. Is is the, the real reason. Um I'm not looking to get into the, you know, the MPL. I'd love to. I'm just not good enough. Well, you know, <laughs> I'm honest. That's that's why I'm, I'm honest not about to get where this, I'm at. <laughs> anyway, look, this is cool, right? Yeah, awesome. yeah, Let's, definitely. And and look, historically, SCG have done really good coverage of their events, um, and so perhaps not for these initial satellites, but once you get into like the um, Caldum, Caldium, Caldine, Caldine, that's, that's the next set. Caldheim Championship Qualifier. Yeah. I imagine you'll start, to, you'll start to see some really good coverage at those events. Yep. So that's cool. Looking forward yeah. to it. So these start, the first one is on November the 20th. So that'll be mm-hmm. next weekend. And yeah, yeah they effectively run all the way through, like there's obviously a bit of a break over the Christmas period, but they run all the way through to sort of halfway through January. So yeah, heap, heaps of events. And then I'm, I'm assuming if they go well, then they'll continue this this sort of trend and we'll, we'll see more of these things but i think the last ones of these they ran they were like 20 or 25 us to enter per per thing and and that's the cfb ones were yeah yeah like that's that's just too much for me to just sort of throw away on, on one of these things whereas like six bucks us is what nine to ten bucks australian mm-hmm. i'm fine with paying that and going oh whoops i lost two rounds okay cool i just drop like that's that's fine so i think i might try and uh find a time that i can do one of these maybe you know late on a friday night or late on a saturday night or something like that once uh, everyone else is in bed and see how we go and probably uh jump on the stream and, and put that out there so you never know i might uh might spike something i mean yeah like same as you cracker i don't, I don't play magic to try and get in the mpl but 
you know, winning a tournament, winning some cash is, is still nice. Can't complain about that. That's so uh, the other thing we'll just very quickly touch on and then we will wrap up. This weekend is the Magic Online Championship. So this is a thing that uh, people sort of qualify through during the year through various means. And, yeah, if, if you're into watching people playing Magic Online, then by all means go ahead and enjoy it. I, I for one, cannot watch Magic Online streams. I know Chewy Chewy's a fan of it and, and he's fine with it, but uh, I cannot watch it. So I will not be tuning in. But uh, the reason I wanted to mention this is that one of the formats they're doing is actually Vintage Cube. So... We were trying to work out before if we've seen vintage cubes or cubes as a pro-level play before, and, and what, what did we come up with, Cracker? Once. In 2012, there <laughs> was a cube event run for, it was the Players' Championship, yeah, which is kind of like Worlds. It was like a 16-person event. And that was, yeah, one of the formats, yeah, okay. which is sweet. Uh, I mean, like, vintage cube is, like, one of my favorite ways to play the game. Like, we, we cube with Chewie whenever we can, and Chewie and I are planning on streaming vintage cube at some point next week but yeah it look it, it'll be fun if you want to watch it i don't know it's it's tricky because because <laughs> cube is like a casual thing like yeah. i want to do dumb stuff i don't want to be efficient <laughs> <laughs> yeah you sort of pick all the broken things and then just cross your fingers and hope that they work yeah i mean i i want to do like counter all your things or like reanimate stuff or better yet like opposition lock somebody yeah <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, like if, if you've never played opposition, well, you know, people probably hate you less than they do when I've played it <laughs> against them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how it goes. But, yeah, t- tune into that and I'm sure we'll sort of hear about it on uh, various other people's podcasts over the next couple of weeks to see how it went. So. Keep an eye out for that. But, yeah, that's going to do us for this week. We'll uh, we'll do our usual wrap-up. So, yeah, we, we don't have any events coming up other than our Invitational, which people have already qualified for. So we're not promoting anything uh, that you can enter just yet. But, yeah, but definitely, you can watch it. You can definitely watch it. It is on the 5th of December. It will be starting at 2 p.m. Australian Eastern Daylight Time. So keep uh, keep that in your calendar so you can make sure you come watch because it's going to be pretty epic 1500 bucks in cash and prizes up for grabs and if you want to get in on our events that we will be running next year then the easiest way for that is to jump in our discord so the link for that is always in our show notes it's on our twitter and uh, twitch and facebook and all that sort of stuff so it's pretty easy to find jump in our discord and yeah get involved in the events that we run if you want to support us, you can head to our merch store and pick up some sweet beans gear, some t-shirts and hoodies and different things like that. And the link for that's in the show notes as well. You can support our our sponsors that uh, give us all these sweet prizes and things that we use for these events by heading to Facebook and searching for Josh and Pat's MTG Bazaar. Go and uh, grab some bargains on their daily auctions. You'll find us on YouTube, Facebook, Twitch, and Twitter, all of those places. Just search for Magic Beans Cast, and you'll find us on there. If you want to find me on Twitter, I am at Peace Inc. Cracker, you are? At Joel Hill underscore. And Stu? At M. Stewie. Very good. So that'll do us for this week. Thank you, as always, for listening. Stay safe out there, and we'll see you next time. Bye.